Thank you for listening to this talk, produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Welcome to our Tuesday talk series. Is there anyone in the audience for whom this is their first Tuesday talk? Oh, that's very, very good. And the people in the audience for whom this is not will be tired of me using this tagline, but I like to convert directly into survey results and percentages. So if you can just put up your hand again, I can do my very bad maths. So I think, I think that's like 22% of the audience was new. I think it's definitely that. I'm Lisa Slade, I'm the Assistant Director here at the Art Gallery of South Australia, and we meet on Ghana Yada. Nyadlu Tampandi, Nyadlu Ghana Mena Yatanga Yuandi, Agsa Ghana Mena Yatanga Yuandi. So I've just said it's really important to acknowledge that we're here on country, it feels more important now than ever. And the Art Gallery of South Australia, of course, stands on Ghana country. I'd like to acknowledge my wonderful colleagues, Isabel, who is responsible for our, who looks after our Tuesday talks. Not only does she allow this to happen regularly every Tuesday, every Tuesday of the year, can I say, she also does the incredible work of uploading the talk onto the website so that everybody who doesn't get a chance, or perhaps even those who have, can listen to it afterwards. I'd also like to acknowledge Nikki and Gloria over here who have taken up the, the cheat seats or the cheap seats. I'm not sure what, they, what they've done over here, but I feel like they might be heckling later on. <laughs> Nikki Cumpston, Artistic Director of Tarnandi, Gloria Strozlecki, Associate Curator. Gloria in particular was very involved with this particular display, which is why I think she might heckle later on. Now, I had the deep honour, and it is truly a deep honour when you are invited to write, particularly if you're invited to make a contribution from a community, from a remote community, from a First Nations community, to make a contribution to a major publication. So the team at Awansha Arts approached me, it's probably about two years ago now, to ask if I would be interested in writing the kind of introductory or the lead essay for a forthcoming publication to be published by Thames and Hudson on the development of the Awansha Art Centre and in a sense on the development of a new desert movement. I've been working with the artists from this art centre since I arrived here in Adelaide almost 13 years ago and I was very aware of them prior to that. So it was a deep honour to be actually asked to pen the first essay and with that sense of honour comes a deep sense of pressure. So I'm going to give you a kind of sense of my essay and the ground that I have um, traversed in the essay by referring specifically to this display here. And I'm, I'm going to assume that you haven't been to Awansha Arts in Indulkna and I'm also very happy, as most of you know, to take questions as I speak because that's the best way of you making sure that we're all on the same page. Importantly... This display sits within the context of Tanandi. Hands up if you came to the Tanandi launch a week and a half ago. I'm glad Rana was there. That's excellent. See, only 13% of the audience were at the Tanandi launch. 
all the more important that they are here today, I must say. Vince, don't you love this place? Everyone does everything. Here comes Vince Ciccarello with a whole new set of chairs or stools for people. Thanks, Vince. Tanandi is a word that comes from Ghana Yerda. It means to rise up, to spring forth, to appear. And as such, it is a fabulously fluid curatorial framework for this thing called Tanandi, which is really ever present here at the Art Gallery of South Australia. Whilst we have a big exhibition every two years, Tanandi happens every day here at AGSA. It happens through our education programs, it happens through our touring programs, and I've just returned late last night from Geelong, where our major exhibition, Kunga Kumpu, has opened, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. And certainly it happens through our collection displays, and I am standing in front of one such display. You are all, I imagine, quite familiar with the display that's on the northern wall, and you don't need to do a 180 and hurt your necks, so I'll tell you all about it. It's a display that is very deliberately focused in the centre of the Art Gallery of South Australia in an extension from the late 1960s. So it's contemporaneous, the works are contemporaneous with the extension that speaks to what is often described as the major moment in the story of Aboriginal art in this country. Those of you who know me well, know that I'm a bit of an iconoclast and I am not particularly interested in single creation stories. I'm interested in where things happen that may not just be the stories that we're well familiar with. The story of Papanya focuses on the men's painting shared in 1971. It focuses on the role of a white school teacher and a group of major Madra, Pintapi, Ludicha and Aranda men. And it focuses on this deep moment, or this incredible moment, of uh, a painting practice emerging from the desert. One of the things that some of you are familiar with me saying, cautioning us against, is overindulging in a single pathway. Because whilst the story that I'm looking at now, and particularly the important painting by Clifford Possum Japuljari, that is Honey Ant Ceremony, directly in front of me, was made in 1971. There are works of art over on the western wall, the southwestern wall, in the tableau that were made as part of a movement that began in 1948. And I would suggest that our focus on creation stories and time frames is kind of a white western obsession that needs a little bit of a shake-up. Because 1971, 1948 kind of fall away in the context of 80,000 years of creativity. So I want to encourage you to think about time in a way that may not be so teleological, so chronological, but to loosen the chronological corset and to think about time more elastically. The works behind me have all come from the art centre known as Iwancha, which is in Indulkna, it's just off the Stuart Highway. And that's an important anecdote, not just so that you can get there to visit next time, but because it gives you a sense of the proximity to that northern highway that goes all the way up, both to Uluru and then further on, of course, to Alice Springs. In Dolkna, the name of the community which was established in 1968, the year I was born in, 
is 400 kilometres directly south from Alice Springs. So Alice Springs, Uluru, and Awantia's down here. Iwantia is the name of the art centre, Indulkna is the name of the community, and it is just off the Stewart Highway. There is a funny narrative or, or anecdote that Gloria and I like to tell about finding or not finding Awantia when Gloria and I made a visit a couple of years ago. The sign to Awantia Arts had been taken down by the artist Kayleen Whiskey as the surface for her painting, which meant that I couldn't find the art centre. So Kayleen Whiskey has developed an extraordinary career in a very short period of time. This is her work here, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. And Kayleen's, Kayleen's work, some of it, happens on these repurposed signs. And one of them was the directional sign that said, Awantia Arts and Craft This Way. Gloria and I found ourselves on our way to Mimili unintentionally, but we got there in the end. Oh, great idea. Gloria is very kindly passing around both the Awantia publication, someone's wearing a Kayleen Whiskey jumper, how brilliant. Indeed, the Awantia publication, but also the Vincent Namajira publication, both of which are available in our store. You can buy them after this talk, and then you know what you can do? Bring them back to the gallery on Friday night, or wait and buy one on Friday night, because guess who's going to be here? Kayleen Whiskey and Vincent Namajira. This, first, this Friday is the first Friday, and at 6 o'clock, I'll be in conversation right here with Kayleen Whiskey, and at around 6.30, I'll be in conversation with Vincent Namajira in his exhibition. It'll be probably the second chance for those with Vincent, but the, the, the first and only chance for Kayleen to sign your publication. Back to Awantia. Enough of the ads. <laughs> Awantia Arts came out of this incredible confluence, and I think this is important to know. 1968, the community set up. The community is set up when Granite Downs Station is dissolved and the community of Indulkna arises. It's not until 1981 that after much unangal political momentum, the South Australian government grant the Anungu Pitinjara Yankanjara Land Rights Act, and that the land is formally handed back to Anungu. That's the reason why to go to that community today, you'll need permission to do so from the community elders. So it's 1968 that Indulkna is established, but it's really not until 1981 that this great momentum happens. 1981, you've got some key figures involved, specifically, the extraordinary Alec Baker and his wife, Ankana Baker. They're now in their, oh, are they late 80s? Late 80s, I think. They're now in their late 80s and they are the oldest living artists living in the community making work. You may recognise Ankana Baker's work if you've managed to pick up an Adelaide Festival program for next year's program. It's her work that graces the cover of the Adelaide Festival program and it's her work that is the kind of lead of the brand refresh for the Adelaide Festival. At the very same time that Ankana Alec and Sadie Singer were advocating for the Land Rights Act, they were advocating for the establishment of the Art Centre. I think that's really important because what that says to me is that 
art is inseparable from politics, from country, from place, and from the kind of geopolitical space. That for Anangu, art is everything. It is not something that happens around the edges. It is something that happens deeply within culture and is part of caring for culture. The earliest days of the art centre from the 1980s are, I think as this wall suggests, relatively modest. If you think about the works that are over there by Vincent Namajira, who works in Indolkna, and the works that you've seen of Kayleen Whiskies, the moving image works, for instance, that are on the wall around here, or any of the works that you've seen in, seen in our wonderful touring exhibition called Kunga Kumpul, the show that opened at Geelong on Friday night, you'll know that they are ambitious in scale and materiality. What we're looking at here are some really modest works that, to me, speak for the kind of first steps of the art centre. But deep within these first steps are the promise... The promise, I think, the innovation inherent to the art centre. So let's talk about Awancha. Let's talk about what's different. When I first wrote my essay for the book, I called it Ghost Riders in the Sky. And that's worth mentioning because it's Halloween, right? Seems relevant. But I wasn't allowed to use that title because the rights to the lyrics were too expensive. So I had to recraft the book, as one has to. And I recrafted the, the essay to, for the title of the essay to be an Anungu Western. An Anungu Western. Can someone in the audience tell me what the characteristics of the Western as a genre are? What are the characteristics, Brian? What are the characteristics of a Western? Land, horses, guns, face off. Frontier, heroes, lawlessness. lawlessness. Yeah, a stranger comes from elsewhere. (laughs) Music, absolutely. You can see I, I kind of was borrowing, perhaps loosely, on this notion of this Western as being something that has can take hold or has taken hold for Anungu. The word Anungu means people of the Pitinjara Yankanjara lands, by the way. For Anungu who live at the eastern end, the Yankanjara end, their lives have been long interrupted by that Stuart Highway. And even though we talk about the APY lands as one thing, we're talking about thousands of kilometres from east to west. We're talking about the difference of a place like Pibalajara on the western side, where people have not had access to main roads and people have not travelled through, versus in Dolkna, where it's only 45 minutes to Marla Roadhouse, yeah? I, I used the term Western because I wanted to articulate this notion of interference and disruption, but also the innovation and the boundary riding that happens materially because of those impacts. So in 1968, the community set up. By the 1970s and 80s, technology in particular, so ironically, for a so-called remote community, there's good access to the internet. There's good access to all forms of radio communication and things that you do not expect or experience further west. Those impacts have deeply, 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 deeply shaped the type of work that has come out of a wancher. I want to use Charles Harrison's definition of modernism and modernity here. When Charles Harrison wrote his book in the 1980s, he talked about 
modernity as being the catalytic technological advances and changes and that modernism was the artistic response or the artistic measure of such innovations. Does that make sense? So modernity is the change, modernity is what takes place and modernism is the cultural and aesthetic response. So what does a Wancha modernism look like? A Wancha modernism looks like this extraordinarily reflexive and innovative space where for someone like Kayleen Whiskey, the sign becomes a sign of the times, where her story of the Seven Sisters, a big story that runs across most of Australia and has ancestral connections for tens of thousands of years, known as the Kungurankupa for Anangal, becomes the Seven Sisters that feature Whoopi Goldberg, Catwoman, etc. So we have this layering, which I find incredibly compelling, and I hope you do too, between these deep ancestral stories and this contemporary experience of life. One does not erase or negate the other, but the two kind of work together to craft an art movement, I believe, that is quite singular. So let's have a look here on the wall. And feel free to heckle you two at this point. First of all, the earliest work is the Alec Baker from the 1980s, so mid-1980s, and it's a lino print. It is not a coincidence that the earliest works were printmaking because the printmaking, to me, reads as a kind of transcription of two things simultaneously. One of them the incising that happens through pyrography, drawing with fire, and also through crafting implements, tools, cultural objects. So if you've ever carved into a lino, hands up if you've carved into lino. Oh, that's quite good. 37% of people have worked with lino before. Then you'll know that that incising is not dissimilar to carving into punno, traditional tools. So that made sense materially. The notion of printmaking, printmaking began as a commitment to a democratic sharing of information. Of course, prints are made, generally speaking, the exception of unique state prints, as multiples. They're about communication and they're about sharing stories. So you've got this deep connection to sharing stories happening through the art of printmaking. Printmaking also have a history in the story of Aboriginal Australian art that they are linked with activism. Some of the earliest prints in this country came out of Long Bay Jail in the 1970s. So there's a deep story of Aboriginal communication and activism through printmaking. So this form allowed itself as a kind of a new wellspring, if you like, and it meant that artists could create works that connected back. As well as being connected with carving and pyrography drawing with fire, printmaking also connects with something known as milpa junani. And milpa junani is the drawing in the sand or ground that happens as a way of telling stories. Anthropologists of the 60s will have you believe that it's a children's storytelling game. Try not to read 60s anthropology if you get a chance. <laughs> Because Milpa Junani is much more than that. 
It is the direct and oral transmission of stories aided by drawing, the art of drawing. That art of drawing finds its equivalence in drawing on the body, in drawing on rocks and on sites, and of course, as I mentioned, drawing on the ground. Milpa Junani is the name of the exhibition, which is a Tarnandi partner project that's on now at George Street in Theberton at the APY Adelaide Gallery. If you haven't seen it, get across and have a look. It is a stunning, stunning survey of what drawing has become. It's almost, the work is from lots of communities, not just from this community, but it's a stunning example. If you think about this as the beginning, it's like, or the call, Milpa Junani, is like the response. You've got these incredible, incredibly brave drawings, someone like Illawanti Ken, who spills ink and draws with ink and all sorts of materials across the surface. So getting back to this wall, you've got these very manageable works by these key players. This old man here, who's passed away, made very, very distinctive work for this hook shape that you see carrying through his practice that you also see in the work of, act of artists further west. Alec Baker, I mentioned before, and you'll remember him from previous Tarnandis. Sadie Singer was very important in this printmaking movement, but also in the political movement. It was she and Alec Baker who walked to Canberra and said, this is our land. Sadie focuses in, I think, a very charming way on the kind of roadside mechanics, these bush mechanics, long before the television show became popular. Centre here is the work of Mr Munkery, who's passed away in the last couple of years. We have an incredible work of his, which is larger than the Fred Williams that you see on this wall over here. But it's great to be able to see where he was kind of working on a smaller scale and then the scale of the type of works that he created. I mentioned over here the work of the Desert Doyen, the oldest woman in the community, one of the oldest women across the lands now, Ankana. I think about her work as like this vermicular, this kind of worm-like structures that run through her work. Her work is about storytelling. She met her husband when they were both working on stations. She's from Arionga, so she's from way up northwest, and she met Alec further south, and they fell in love, and they established not only the community and the art centre, but also the school. So Ankana was one of the first teachers in the school. Over here we have the leg now legendary hat of Tiger Yaltangi and it's Tiger's work that we see downstairs. Put your hand up if you've been downstairs to see the work of Tiger Yaltangi. Oh, wow, only 11%. We have to work on that. Make sure you do after this. Tiger's work is a case in point. Tiger Yaltangi has taken found ACDC po posters and repurposed them, reclaimed them. And it's this reclaiming of those things which are found from the West or found from popular culture that I find so exciting about this movement. And that's a good segue to talk about the incredible Kayleen Whiskey. If any of you are f fans of over here, shown over here beautifully, Kayleen Whiskey, the entrepreneurial nature of this community is best articulated by that jumper. <laughs> Tiger Yaltangi has a jumper. Kayleen Whiskey has both a jumper and a cardigan and there is this sense to which art can be experienced at every level. We're not talking about this kind of idea of an elite art form. Art can be worn, it can be shared by everybody. 
Kayleen just last week announced a collaboration with Mecca, the makeup people. So I love this spirit of being both true to oneself as boundary writers, but also infiltrating. It's very, very powerful because it, to me, and I know I'm taking a big leap, but it signals a kind of reverse colonisation. <laughs> yeah? You with me? Where Kayleen, Tiger, Vincent Namajira get to return fire. <laughs> this painting is a diptych, very early work by Kayleen. Many of you would not have recognised it perhaps as her work and it's a beautiful work because it actually tells the whole story of the development of the art centre, how things were in the old days and then the impact of the art centre through government funding and how the art centre has developed. The work, uh, so we've got, as I mentioned, Tiger Tangi, you've got Betty Muffler up here, really early work by Betty. This is great if you know her work now. You know, she's been the cover of Vogue in recent years and creates these extraordinarily ambitious works that you have to, you in, they inhabit you and you inhabit them when you stand in front of them. It's so monumental. And here we've got this very, very modest print up here. We've got the wonderful bronzes of Mr Pompey and these are worth mentioning because Mr Pompey's been gone for a while and I don't know if there's a more influential and important figure in the story of this desert figuration. He was the ultimate boundary rider, a balladeer. His daughter is the wife of Vincent Namajira. So Mr Pompey was incredibly, incredibly influential to the development of Vincent Namajira's work much more so in some ways than Albert Namajira in terms of a kind of uh, technical influence or material influence. And then down here, we've got a beautiful work by senior artist Maisie King, who's not in our collection apart from this particular work, and also a work here by senior figure, elder, pay tribute to this incredible woman, who's a, she's a director of the APY Lance, Vicky Cullinan. She's a great linguist, translator and artist who makes very ambitious paintings, but here we have this very, very modest print. So thanks to Gloria, we have this wonderful opportunity, and I've forgotten to mention Kumanara Frank's work here, another example of this desert figuration. Thanks to Gloria, we have this opportunity to look at the early, early movement and moment of this art centre that are now known for such brave new visions that have kind of worked their way into major art prizes, major institutional collections, major collaborations beyond the world of art, to craft a new way of thinking and being Aboriginal, to think about where your life in your community in the Yunkanjara and the Eastern End is a life that is both engaged, as Kayleen Whiskey says, with Dukupa, with ancestral stories, but simultaneously with a world of Coca-Cola and television. What I really love about what I want to do is that they reject our essentialism. You've probably all heard lots of expressions or references to real Aboriginal art or traditional Aboriginal art or things like that doesn't look like Aboriginal art. You're nodding, you all know what I mean. To me, this is a beautiful manifestation 
and the ripple effect ever since of the way in which Aboriginal people have sustained 80 years of continuous culture through constant adaptation and innovation. That adaptation and innovation do not lie as antithetical to tradition. They are actually deeply embedded in tradition. So this is a new modernism. This is a new desert modernism, a new way of thinking about Aboriginal Australia and really about the story of Aboriginal art per se. I feel like as South Australians we should feel, even though colonial boundaries, you know, state boundaries are colonial boundaries, we should feel super chuffed that this is happening so close to where we are here, that this is really a story that we can help to tell. Alongside the 1948 Ernabella movement, this is a story from the late 60s, this is a story from the early 70s, and we are uniquely placed because of our proximity to the northern deserts to tell these stories. And this collection is uniquely placed to amplify the voices of artists. I feel like you might want to ask me something. Or add something. I didn't talk about the truck. Yeah? So this is, this is Mary Brumby's Toyota. I love that. Mary Brumby's Toyota. It's good, isn't it? Um, this is a very good example of the jumpy movement and it's probably just worthwhile giving you a little side lesson on the beginning of the jumpy desert weavers which come out of, came out of the NPY women's movement. So it came out of the Nangadara, Pitinjara, Yankanjara women's movement where women from across the tri-state area, so Northern Territory, South Australia and WA, began a couple of decades ago to adapt some technologies back to the idea of tradition, particularly the mungari. So the mungari is a hair string um, and sometimes woven grass construction that women make and place on their heads so that you can place a pitti or a bowl on your head. So you've probably seen it in other cultures where you'd use fabric or something to kind of take the weight and the form. The mungari is very important for desert dwellers and it, beca it became the wellspring, to use that term again, of the Jumpy Desert Weavers movement because women had these skills in working with hair string and desert grass and that became a way of rethinking a whole new contemporary art movement. movement. And jump, the Jumpy Desert Weaver movement is without, uh, without limits, I would say. One of the most phenomenal moments of being able to look at the development across, and it doesn't always happen or often happen in art centres, of women and singularly women working with grass. Jumpy is the word that's used specifically for spin effects, but it tends to be used as a kind of neologism for any work made from grasses. So it might be spin effects, it might be a Minari grass, it could even be an introduced raffia, something that's brought into Australia as from the rapper's palm. It could also be in the cases of our Jumpy Desert Weaver works, found objects, wool or cloth or all sorts of other things that are incorporated. When the Jumpy Desert Weaver movement began, it began as a series of kind of vessels because of this tradition of the mungari and the, the pitti, but it has become increasingly figurative and innovative. So two of the bodies of work that we currently have in Geelong, just in case you're heading that way, one is called Parapakani, which is a big fleet of incredible birds all woven from desert grasses. And the other is a suite of trees called Ponno, which has similarly been made from found objects and desert grasses. 
All of these things have come from this part of the world just in the last 50 years. But they are deeply indebted and connected to ongoing traditions. Come on. <laughs> Anything to add, Gloria and Nikki? Oh, great, yeah. Uh, Nikki just reminded me that it, it's Vicky Cullinan who won the Hadley's Art Prize, which is a relatively new but a major, I think the top dollar, Hadley Art Prize. So the Hadley Art Prize is for landscape and it comes out of the Hadley's Orient Hotel, excellent place to visit if you're heading down to Hobart, and, and she won the most recent um, Hadley's Art Prize, which is a lovely segue because these artists are both redefining the prize landscape. You'll be well familiar that wonderful Zachariah Fielding won the Win Prize last year, but also they are redefining the very notion of landscape. It is within our lifetimes, in fact, it's within the last decade that we have seen a shift. 20 years ago, and this strikes me as, this is horrifying, Aboriginal artists were not included in, in landscape prizes. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems slightly odd to me that if Aboriginal artists can't talk about country, who can? So what you see now is a very, very strong voice and representation. Similarly for the Archibald, Vincent Namajira and the winning prizes in that exhibition over there was the first Aboriginal artist in the centenary long history of that prize who was a First Nations artist. Gee, we've got some work to do, we've got some time to make up for. She gave me the face, did you see that? She went. So just, just, to, just to recap, come along Friday night and if you can't or you feel like you don't need to because you've been here today, can you please spread the word? Because I'm delighted that we're going to have Vincent Namajira and Kayleen Whiskey back in the house. Very, very good. Up here at 6 o'clock, over there at 6.30. Buy the book, good Christmas present, particularly if you get the artist's signature on it, right? Extra bonus points for that one, but you don't have to pay extra. So the book can be bought today and signed on Friday. It can be bought on Friday and signed on Friday. Tune in to this lunchtime talk afterwards or any of our lunchtime talks for that matter. I want to acknowledge that so many of you are very regular attendees, like you never miss a beat. And I would like to thank you for your abiding support. Very sadly, a few weeks ago, we lost one of our regular attendees. And I'd like to just pay tribute to Noni. Thank you so much for coming for those of you who are also new to this room, because quite how many percent were? 23. 23, I think it was. Quite a few. 22. 22 percent were new. So thank you for attending. Keep your eye on the website because there is so much happening across Tarnandi, which runs through until the 21st of January. So you've got a lot of time to come back and explore Vincent Namajura upstairs and Tarnandi downstairs. Thank you for supporting the Art Gallery of South Australia. Natalia.